0: Good morning, Hopeville. Won't you stand to your feet this morning? We're going to sing a new song. Are you ready? Come on, let me sing a hand.
1: Yeah, so glad you guys are here. Uh, Take a second, say hello to somebody around you. Thanks.
2: Good morning, everybody. My name is Pete, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hopeville Church. Uh, And if you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to welcome you. And make sure you stop by the Welcome Center. We've got some stuff for you there. Um, This morning, I want to read a passage from Psalm 95. It says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. You get the sense that's happening? That was a pretty awesome song. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. As the ushers come forward for our offering this morning, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are the creator, the maker of all things. We love you. We want to thank you for just how you've continued to bless us Lord, we pray for those who are struggling right now, who might be in the valley. Lord, that you would comfort them, that you would bring them peace, that you would help them in their time of trouble. We know that you are a comforter and that you draw near to those who need you. And for those who are on hills, Lord, we thank you, we praise you for those times when we are blessed, when you show up and you make it so real for us. We pray for that this morning and we offer these gifts to you in honor of you and on a way to say that we love you.
1: this old hymn together with a new skin on it just is going to lead us Lord Be seated and prepare our hearts for communion this morning. Pastor Pete's gonna lead us.
2: Once a month as a church community, we gather together to celebrate communion and remember the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. If you were here a few weeks ago when we started the series on worship, Pastor Dan and Pastor Billy talked about worship as living life of grace and mercy in response to what our Savior has done for us. This is all about Him, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Communion is another way in which we worship together as a church. As a body of Christ, there is power in our coming before the Lord and remembering what he did on the cross for us. Pastor Dan talked about a sneak preview of what awaits us, and here's an example of that in Matthew 26, 29. He says, I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung that hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This was right after Jesus had his last supper with his disciples. And he instructed them to do this in remembrance of him. But he leaves them and he gives them hope. He gives us hope that one day we'll share a cup with Jesus in his Father's kingdom. That's communion, and this is worship. Here at Hope Fail, you don't have to be a member to participate in communion. The only requirement is that you are a follower of Jesus. And if this does not describe you, we would ask that you would let the elements pass you by, and we do this for a couple of reasons. One, it's out of respect for what we are doing here and the significance that it has for us. And two, it's out of respect for yourself. We wouldn't want you to participate in something that carries little to no meaning and uh, and would just be an empty ritual for you. But during this time, we would ask you that you would consider who is Jesus to you. If you're here today and you are still a slave to sin, Consider Jesus' gift to you and ask yourself, what are you waiting for? No one is promised tomorrow, and this is the most important decision of your life. To accept Christ doesn't make you perfect, but it does make you free, free from sin, and it gives you hope for a future where there's no more pain, no more death, no more suffering. And we are there with our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Those who have gone before us, those who will come after us. If you're here today and you have accepted Christ, we would ask that you would take this time to reflect on what God has done for you. Ask God to bring to mind how he's blessed you and how he's continuing to work in your life. Remember to celebrate the fact that the psalm says he is our maker, and in the book of Matthew where he reminds us that one day we will commune with him. As the ushers come forward, let's pray for the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross for our sins. That you paid a price, Lord, that we couldn't earn, that we couldn't do enough good works. Our good deeds cannot weigh the bad. So you came, you sent your son, and you paid for that price for our sins. We thank you for that. And we ask that in this time now that we would be able to just thank you, honor you, and reflect what you've done for us. We love you and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray for the cup. Dear Heavenly Father, we once again thank you that we can come before your throne and that your blood paved the way for our sins. We thank you that you revealed yourself to us, Lord, and that we have the hope of having a future where one day we will have no more pain and no more suffering. We lift this up to you, Lord, and ask that you would bless this time, Lord, and that you would honor this this moment in our lives where we can come together as a community and worship and honor you in this act. We thank you, Jesus, and in his name we pray, amen.
1: To worship together while we take
2: In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can worship. Thank you that we can celebrate. Thank you that we can sing praises to you, Lord. Thank you that you are just an amazing God. And we lift up this time to you, Lord. We honor you with our praises, with our singing, with our giving, with our lives. We ask that you would move in us this morning, that you would just kind of reset and let all this stuff and the drama just fade to the back of our minds and help us just to be present in you today and to focus on this message that Steve's about to bring to us. We thank you, and again, we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.
3: You may be seated. Wow. What an incredible time, an incredible experience together. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. Folks, that is why we're here today. These words are are more than a song. These words explain the very life that we can have because of Jesus. I'm so thankful that here at Hopevale we carry this excitement and this energy about uh, uh, this youthful spirit. I mean, I, if you, if you recognize up here on platform, there's a wide age range. But the fact that there are young people engaged in worship is, does something to my heart. I worked in youth ministry for 20-plus years. And I'm a little older now, just, just a little bit. And um, it just means a lot as you see change, as you see healthy change. I love that kind of change and that kind of growth because what that means to all of us is that we get to impact others at a greater level for the kingdom. And that's what makes my heart beat. Officially, good morning. I am Pastor Steve, and my wife Tanya, along with our four boys, started attending Hope Vale in 2009. I started working here in 2012, and since our arrival, we've added a granddaughter to the mix, and we've added a a daughter-in-law to the mix that, uh, well, daughter-in-love, they say, down south. She came to us from North Carolina via Australia, and she was just here on platform as well, helping lead worship. But I love serving here because of the opportunity that we have to make an eternal impact in the lives of others. So if you haven't been here for a while, or maybe you're here for the very first time today, I want to extend a special welcome to you. I hope you find something exciting and something new and something fresh. You see, I hope you've had a great morning so far, but the morning's just getting started. And I believe that God has something great in store for each and every one of us today. This summer, we've been taking a closer look at some of the songs that we sing, some of the the worship songs that we use here at Hopevale. In our most recent message, Pastor Adam uh, referred to a a song by Bethel called It Is Well. If you haven't heard his message, I would encourage you to to go back to to last week and visit that online because he made some great points about how to make it through tough times. But I'll tell you this, when, when Pastor Adam got done last week, and as I sat in the front row, I almost jumped up on stage because I'm like, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going with with where he was at. And it's because it is well with our soul that we can think about death and we can think about resurrection today. The resurrection of Christ and what that means to each and every one of us if we take hold of what he's done for us. It was the summer of 1994, and myself and a couple of other staff people that I worked with out in the Thumb, we got together and we took three busloads of students for an evening at Port Crescent State Park, and it was the perfect location, you guys. It was the perfect spot for an evening of fun and ministry together. I mean, this spot had it all. It had a place to... To, to grill hot dogs. It had some sand dunes, if you can call sand dunes in Huron County a thing. It's got some hills of sand. It has the water. There was going to be a perfect sunset, I was certain of it. It was all going to come together. There was this, there's this place within those small sand dunes that kind of creates this little hill. And I can kind of picture Jesus standing in this little area preaching to people. And at the end of the evening, we were going to have a little message for the students right there. they would be swimming and all of that other sort of fun stuff. We had planned this perfect evening, but there was one thing that we didn't think about. And as the students were swimming and they're having fun, any wise fisherman would tell you that if you're on the bay, you need to keep kind of one eye towards the sky because the weather can change at any moment. And that evening, that's exactly what happened. The weather started to change. The wind started to whip up. And the waves started to come in. And as the waves started to come in, several of our students got out of the water and they came in. there was kind of this deck area where we could watch and oversee what was going on. But the waves continued to grow and grow to a size that, quite honestly, I've never seen on Saginaw Bay before. I'm sure they've been there, but to me, these waves were getting pretty big to the point where some of our students were in the water we're body surfing just a short distance from shore. Something that in Michigan you don't always get the chance to do, right? But they're body surfing and as the waves continued to grow it finally got to a point where we're like, you know what, we need to get our, our kids out of the water. We need to have them come on shore. So we get all of our kids out of the water and as, as that happened myself and another staff person noticed that off in the distance there was a man that we didn't know who was struggling to get into shore. And there was something that I didn't realize that in Michigan, undertows can happen. I'm used to the ocean, but there can be undertoes in Michigan, and literally he was getting pulled out, and so myself and a couple other volunteers, we jumped in the water, and we, as quickly as we could, we raced out to try to get to him. He was bouncing with the waves, but he was going out further, and we got to a point, I'm not a, a strong swimmer, and I wasn't going to just take off. We kind of formed this little human chain to try to reach him. But I can vividly remember looking into his eyes and seeing him go under for what I was certain was the last time, knowing that I wasn't going to get to him. And we turned our back and we headed back to shore. Thinking about calling for help, thinking about what we're gonna tell the the kids that were there with us. Thinking about we hadn't planned this at all. I don't know if you've ever given up hope before, but at that moment I had. Today I'm gonna talk about the hope that we have in Christ and why we have that hope. I want to talk about life and death and resurrection. Now normally we would save a message like this for Easter, right? That's the appropriate time to talk about resurrection. But I feel it's it's so appropriate for everyday life that we can't just talk about it once a year. Plus this song that we just sang during communion. It's so much more. It's so much more than a song. It truly is life. You see, if we're going to talk about resurrection, then there's got to be something that ends. There's got to be a point of death or or this ending point. And I thought about that, and I thought about, you know, Michael Jordan came back a second time. I thought about uh, some things that I like. And I thought about how people market things nowadays. And I, and I, I don't know about you, but I've visited uh, the nut house, Not not that kind of a nut house, okay? <laughs> I've, the place in Bay City, the St. Lawrence Brothers. And you know what? They have some of my favorite candies there. They have things that I remember as a child. Razzles, and they have those little ice cream cones with a little marshmallow thing on top that you either love or you hate. But they bring that stuff back, right? And there's something about something coming back like that that we connect with. Think about clothing styles, and The decade for the ages, the 80s, it's coming back. All those things. But if we're going to talk about resurrection, it implies that there must be death. So if the resurrected king is resurrecting me, then I I must be dead. And yet I'm standing before you alive. But the implication is that I'm dead spiritually. This is where resurrection gives us hope. Deep inside, I believe that we want someone who has the answers, someone who's kind of been there, done that, and checked the box, right? Jesus lived it. He's been in our tomorrow. God is ever-present help in our troubles, but he doesn't speak to our situation from just today. But God, who is outside of time, God who has been in my tomorrow and isn't phased by it, but rather knows it and isn't anxious about the economy or he isn't anxious about my health or the tests that I have or the political system of the country that I live in. God from tomorrow, the one who was, who is, and is to come, speaks back to my today so that my faith may increase and I may have the ability to face forward and look ahead to the future with confidence. When Pastor Adam last week talked about our faith must be greater than our fear, that is why our faith can grow, because of the resurrection. The one who defeated the grave and defeated death, the one who gives us a hope and a future. Do you really believe in the resurrection? Do you really believe in the God who holds our tomorrow? What are you placing your hope in? The resurrection is our hope, It brings hope out of death. It brings light out of darkness. Sometimes life can be birthed out of those darkest places and those darkest moments. Sometimes, as we travel through life, we don't expect that breakup to happen. We don't expect to get bad news from the doctor. We don't expect a divorce to happen or issues within our family to happen. Sometimes out of those darkest moments, out of those darkest places, sometimes out of those moments like death on a cross, God can be on the verge of doing his greatest work. Out of death, life can be given. But my question today is, will we see it? Will we recognize it? Will we realize it? As I mentioned earlier, if we're going to talk about resurrection, then we must first realize, we must first realize that I am dead. Without Christ, I have no hope, I have no meaning. Ephesians chapter 2 says this It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old, stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and you exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. The NIV says it a little easier. says, We were dead in our sin. We were dead in our transgressions. I don't know about you, but when I read that from the message, when I think about those words, I'm like, that's me. That's my life. I chose to live in disobedience. I chose to live in darkness. But the great thing is, is out of that darkness, life can be given and life can be had. So let's jump into the middle of this resurrection scene that's taking place in 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 Luke 24, and if you've got your Bibles here this morning or if you've got the app on your phone, feel free to follow along. Little backstory, Luke 23, Jesus goes to the cross, he's crucified. He speaks his last words, Lord, I, I commit my spirit into your hands. We get to Sunday morning, you know what happens? Jesus gets up bright and early. He leaves the scene. And all of a sudden, the ladies who had prepared these spices show up to the tomb. And what do they realize? They realize the stone's been moved. They go in and they realize that the body is not there. And so that's where we pick up this story. In in Luke 24, it says this. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while you were still with him in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day raised again. So what do they do? They go back and they tell the men, right? They tell the men what has happened. And what do the men do? I mean, maybe the men were a little uh, stubborn. Maybe they thought they knew a little more. Maybe they, um, guys, no offense here, but um, maybe they thought they had it all under control. The men didn't believe them. It says their words seemed like nonsense. But, ladies, who was right? Who was right? Some things just don't make sense to the human mind. But his ways are higher than our ways. His ways are loftier than ours. I don't want to make this too difficult or too hard because it's not. But sometimes we have a tough time wrapping our mind around things that, you know what, we just need to say, okay, I understand, I've got this. Even when they don't make sense, one of my words for 2017 has been the word journey. I think that we're all on this journey. I don't know about you, but as we travel through life, sometimes when I'm on that journey, I, I want to be in control. I want to do it my way. I want to have things go just the way that I want them to. Once in a while, I have to admit I might get lost. I don't know about you, but if you've ever, ever wanted to just throw up your hands in the air and be like, what the heck? I don't know if you can say that in church or not. but What's going on? What's happening here? So let's take a look at this story a little further. As we go a little further, what we notice is this. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Now these two, we'll, we'll find out their names here in a second. Cleopas and his, his buddy. We don't know the one guy's name, but there's two guys that are going back to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile trip from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside of them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? So get this, there's these two guys, they've come to Jerusalem, they know what's going on, they're filled with hope and excitement. We're gonna talk more about that in a second but at this point in time, they have turned their back on Jerusalem and they're going back home. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene. And he asks them a question. What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, depressed, no hope. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? I mean, can you picture this? Are you the only guy around here who doesn't know of the things that have happened there in these days? Are you the only person who has no clue what's going on? And Jesus responds, what things? What things? You see, he knew what was going on, obviously, right? But he's trying to help these guys sort through what's unfolded. And this is awesome. If you see what's happening here, they're telling the author, they're telling Jesus about the book. They're telling the one who is the Word, about the Word. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. We had hoped. We had hoped. It's all past tense now. Everything that they had placed in him is gone. It's over. It's done. These guys quickly lost their hope. Where is your hope today? Have you lost it? Is it fixed on Jesus? You see, they had no hope, but they were standing next to hope. They felt powerless, but they were next to the most powerful, the one who defeated death and who defeated the grave. But they didn't even realize it. They felt defeated, but they were right next to victory. In their darkest hour, Jesus says, I am the resurrection, and the life. But they were headed back to their old familiar ways, right? They were headed back to Emmaus. And I don't blame them for that. That's what they knew. They were going back to what they knew. But what about the timing? Could they have not stayed a few more hours? Could they have not extended their reservations? Maybe added one more night? Think of what they'd gone through. But they checked out early. They forgot what Jesus had said that this temple will be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. How quickly do we forget what He's done for us? How quickly do we forget the love that He has for us? How quickly do we forget the feelings we had for our spouse or for our parents or our friends before we turned our back? How quickly do we give up? How quickly do we throw in the towel? And then it says this, in wrapping this section up, it says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost here. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Think about this. Think about Jesus taking the bread and breaking it, and the revelation that comes with that. What do you see? If I I make this motion, what do you see? The nail-scarred hands of Jesus He revealed himself to them, and they recognized him at that moment. The bread of life. Did I tell you the rest of the story that I started earlier? The story about the man who was in the water? When I came to shore that day, in a panic, trying to figure out what my next move was, I started to run down the beach. I didn't have a cell phone at that time to call for help. As I took no more than probably 20 steps, I noticed this young man sitting on a log out of breath on the beach. And I stopped and I did a double take. And I looked at him. I'm like, are you the guy that was just out in the water? And he looked up kind of sheepishly and he's like, yeah, that was me. And I'm like, how did this happen? Like, you basically beat me to shore. I'm like, how did you get out of the water? He says, when I went under for the last time, I knew you weren't going to get to me. He said, when I hit the bottom of the lake, I pushed as hard as I could towards shore. And I was able to swim underneath the waves enough to, to be able to touch again. And I got in. I was never so happy to see somebody alive in my life. But there he was right in front of me, alive and well. There was hope in a hopeless situation. The rest of the story unfolds like this. In Revelation 1:18, Jesus says, "I am the living one. I was dead and behold I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. He has the keys, people. So we need to realize that I am dead, that we are dead in our sin. But we need to recognize the one with the answer. In Acts chapter 4, it says, We know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Amen. Thank you. No other name. Jesus is passionately pursuing us in the midst of us being lost, in the midst of us losing hope, in the midst of being in despair, in the midst of turning our back on him. Jesus left the grave, And he chased down two guys who had no hope. Who had lost all hope. Do you recognize him? Do you hear his still small voice today? What are you looking for? Will you recognize it even if it's right in front of you? What did these two guys do? These two guys got up and they returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened on their way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I love that Jesus, in the midst of this, was just hanging out, doing everyday life with them. But here's what happened. Cleopas and his his buddy, this guy whose name we don't even know, we're at a crossroad. How are they going to respond? How are you going to respond? You see, there's a turning point for all of us. When we need to realize that we're dead in our sin, when we need to recognize the one who has the answer and we need to respond, there's a turning point. They got up and they went back to Jerusalem. They had to decide what they were going to do with what had just been revealed to them. Were they going to stay in Emmaus? Or were they gonna turn around and go back to Jerusalem? You see, this is just like our life. These guys, imagine this, they had turned their back. They could have been proud, they could have been arrogant, no. We put our hope there at one point. We walked away, we're done. This is all about us now. They'd lost their hope. There was hurt. There was pain. There were questions. They could have stayed in that place, in that hurt, in that pain, in that suffering. But they made a decision to turn. They were exhausted physically. Can you imagine how they were exhausted emotionally from what had transpired over the last week, in the last couple of days. They could have been filled with excuses to put it off. I'll think about this a little more. I'll maybe give God a chance later. I don't know about you, but for me, there's times in my life that I could have quit. There's times I could have thrown in the towel. There's times I could have been done. This morning, as we close... I want to invite the band back out and I want to extend an invitation to you. You see, this can be an easy thing. We don't have to make it difficult. But there is a moment where there is a stake in the ground moment, a place where we have to put a marker down and say, you know what? This is the end. I'm going to start something new. I'm going a new direction. Or I'm going back to what I knew. I don't know where life has taken you. Maybe it's been tough. Maybe it's been filled with hardship. But know this. We have a God who defeated death, who went to the grave, and is alive. He is alive. Or you know what? Maybe life has been just fine. Maybe you and your spouse have a a great job. Kids are great. Maybe if you're younger and you're here, you're a teenager. School's great. Grades come easy. Lots of friends. But maybe you've never recognized the bread of life. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? By your spirit I will rise. From the ashes of defeat, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. In your name, in his name, in the powerful name of Jesus, I come alive. That life is for you, you guys. That life is for me. He extends the invitation to all of us. So, where are you at today with this? Will you respond to him? Let's pray. This morning, as we go to the Lord in prayer, if you are at a point in your life where you just simply need to hand it over to him, where you simply need to realize and recognize, this is for me. I've never realized the bread of life is for me. Then I want to encourage you to take that step today. And I want to encourage you to make this your prayer today. Father God, from the ashes of defeat, I realize and recognize that you have come to save me from my sin. And Lord, this morning I invite you into my life. This morning I want to live for you. Father, I realize and recognize that you are the resurrection and the life. And today I call you my Lord and my Savior. Today, I commit to following you, knowing that I have a hope and a future in that. Father, today, I give my life to you and pledge to live for you every day of my life. Father, I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus with no one looking around, if that is your decision this morning, I simply want you to do me a favor. Would you simply lift your hand up and say, Steve, you know what? That is my decision today. Today I'm driving a stake in the ground and I'm turning and I'm following you. If that is your choice today, would you just lift your hand in the air? Thank you. Thanks for honoring God. Thanks for being faithful to that still, small voice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father God, we pray your blessing on these people today. We thank you for life, and we thank you for life everlasting, and we thank you that you have defeated the grave. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close this morning with a song called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And as we sing this song, I want you to simply be obedient to respond to God and make it more than a song. Be obedient to respond how you want to respond. If you want to stand and lift your hands high, you stand and lift your hands high. If you want to stay seated in your seat and simply sing or look at the words or pray, then you stay at your seat and you pray. If you want to come forward and you want to pray up here at the front, feel free to come and pray. But this is your time to respond The way that you sense God is speaking to you.
1: Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is called.
3: Resurrecting King is resurrecting you. He is resurrecting me. If you've made a decision to take a step towards Christ today, I want to encourage you as you leave this place to visit one of our desks out front and jot a note on a comment card. Let us know that. We want to be praying for you. Let us know a little bit of your story, if you wouldn't mind, because we want to be praying life over you, that God's done great things today and that the seeds that he has planted would take root and blossom and grow. As you leave this place today, would you go with the peace and the assurance, recognizing and realize that what Christ has done is for you. And hopefully you'll be back next week as Pastor Billy talks about the Lord's Prayer. Enjoy your day. Amen.